It's a new century of talk about that episodes. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. You don't think so? A new century? Well, it's a new grouping of hundreds. I don't know how to, I, I don't know what to call that. A centaurus? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't have anything. Are you sure you want to be a mathematician? Well, I like, I like the prefixes. Again, we did the whole penultimate thing. I, I love it, but I don't know, I don't know what the suffix that is correct should be, is all I'm saying. I don't know. And you should know stuff like that because you're full of useless knowledge. I don't think so. You got nothing. No. It's all right, though. I theorize, by the way, that our energy on the podcast is higher in the mornings. I know that sounds odd, but when My you My voice I, is gravelier in the morning. We always come here right after lunch, you know? Uh-huh. And you're over there, dude. Your eyes are, are starting to shut. This is my everyday, everyday look, though. I always look a little bit high. Yeah. You no, do. I don't, I don't use drugs, but I, I could pass for a drug user. There seems to be a common theme right now on our on our podcast. Yeah, Emily took uh, great umbrage <laughs> to the thought because the whole point was we were complimenting her for looking young enough to be a undercover officer at a high school. Yeah, and I said I would if I was a drug dealer, I would sell her drugs, not knowing that she might be a police officer and could arrest me. Right. But she was like, "Do I look like somebody that would buy drugs?" And I was like, "Well, I guess that's kind of what I was saying." <laughs> well, she said in that second tweet, like, "And absolutely, I am." Uh, right. But now you've ruined my entire operation. Yeah, basically. she's yeah. We've exposed her. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. You burned her. That's right. She's been burned. That's right. That's right. I don't know. It was funny because Emily. Emily doesn't listen to the podcast. I th- well, how did she know? Did Dane tell her about she it? She didn't listen to this one because Dane was interviewed. Oh, because a name drop. No, unless Emily has changed her ways. She's told me before that she doesn't listen. I don't think to. Well, that's upsetting. Yeah, so I, I was, was excited to hear her comments on it, and I wonder if we won her over now as a perennial listener. Maybe you think so? I, well, now we've mentioned her again, so that's we're going to know now if Emily, although Dane listens, so he'll go tell her. That's what people want. They just want to be. They want to be called out. By the way, one of our uh, longtime listeners mm-hmm. uh, did a drawing. Aaron, yeah, uh, he did a drawing. Uh, I can't remember his Twitter handle. Or I'll give it to you at the end of the show. I'll put it in the show notes. Cartoon artist or yes, art, what is great. it? Great. He's a cartoonist, and he did a drawing for our hundredth episode. And then he sent me a message on Twitter. We posted the drawing, yeah, on our twitters. But then he said, "Can I send you a hard copy of this?" No and he way. sent it to me. It's on my fridge. Wow. I kept it. I, I felt yeah, like it. Was, why did you get that? Because you got everything else in here. You're hanging. I mean, what are we going to do? But it's why? not big enough in here to hang up in here. You got everything in, you have in here is huge, like your diplomas and stuff. It's like a little baseball card. But you size didn't thing. even think about though the yeah. fact that perhaps that's shared ownership. And apparently he didn't either. He sent it right to you. He I'm sent it. He asked me of... for my address. Oh my goodness! And I gave it to him. So now my personal address is just out there. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that puts me in any danger. That's not. I'm probably fine. Probably well, absolutely fine. you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a sign in my yard that says I have a security system. I feel like that's just as good. Oh yeah, ADT or whatever. Yeah, you, do you really does have that, ADT does that scare? Well, does that scare people enough enough people away? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I suppose that you have the full on. What do you have, John? I have um, Xfinity. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Xfinity. Yeah, and you know, I, sh- I swore off Comcast products of all. Sort years ago, but I mean, all the companies are bad. I mean, would you at least admit that? My issue with Comcast before was less about service and more about they kept just increasing my bill. Well, everybody does that. And then, and Everybody's bills go up. No, I can tell they you why. They add some weird excise tax and a yeah, you know, 
One day, trench, I, trench fees. I spent five hours on the phone with them one day straight. I refused to get off the phone. Wow, I'm that kind of guy. You filibustered. Yeah, I was like, look, uh, I'm not going to get off, so I need to talk to your supervisor next. And I just kept going up the chain until I found somebody. And that happened like four or five times. I was like, you know what, I'm done. So I went to TDS. But don't they try to talk you out of it when you do that? Because I know people who do that every year. They they freak out, and then they go, we'll give you a $100 credit. And then they go, okay. And then they just keep going. They do it every year. Yeah. Isn't that what you really wanted, John? No. Was attention? No, I wanted them to get my, my bill right. I just, yeah. look, I'm, I'm, I've agreed to pay a certain amount. So yeah. don't. But once the contract ends, they can start jacking with you. I suppose. And they did. But I will say this, since I went back to Xfinity, yeah. uh, it wasn't called Xfinity back then. It was Comcast. It was... Like I have, it's, I'm really pleased because like the DVR is amazing. Wait a minute. You just, you had a die drive against Comcast and now you're with Comcast That's by what I'm another saying. name? When I came back. So to, you're saying when they change names, they change their heart. Something changed, man. I don't man, know what it is. Great. But I, and if I, I can change and you can change, it's like the end of Rocky Four. Oh my goodness. We can all change. When all the Russians were cheering for Rocky, like that would really happen. Can yeah. you imagine? And like then, we bought that. We bought that lie in the late The Gorbachev 80s. guy stood and clapped as well for yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder That's if Putin a, would stand and clap for Rocky now. They said, uh, here's a, some trivia from that movie. So they were training for that film and they're doing the training scenes. And Stallone one time said to uh, Dolph Lundgren, who played Drago, hit, hit me harder. in Because the, there was a scene where he was supposed to hit him in the chest. Mm-hmm. He said, hit me in the chest for real. Mm. Uh, because he was pulling the punches too much and it looked fake. Yeah. So Lundgren hits him in the chest. He had to go to the hospital. They There was fluid around his lungs and his heart. He almost died. Uh, and they said, they wouldn't believe him. He said, we're shooting a film. They said, how did you get this injury? Because you know they have to ask him because it's a criminal case. If you go to the ER or whatever, they have right. to make sure it wasn't like, hey, I hit a pedestrian. Uh, so they uh, they wouldn't believe him that a human had done it. Mm. That's how hard the punch was. They wow. said, you were clearly in a car accident. Can we, you know, they wanted to like... He was like, no, no, and they had people from this. So that's like true. Like, so Dolph Lundgren evidently can really hit. He can punch hard. Well, I mean, those aren't fake muscles. No. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's like a, he's like a smart guy, too. I think he's like one of those guys that's, he looks like a muscle head, but he's like, I want to say he's like astrophysics. Wow. He's like Mensa through the roof. It's like Brian May for Queen. He's an astrophysicist. Do you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, the guitar player, the big poofy yeah. afro hair guy. He's an astrophysicist for real and's written like huge, like, peer-reviewed papers and wow yeah and he can play the guitar really well too yeah oh that's weird when you see somebody that's really good at, at a lot of different stuff yeah it's an embarrassment of riches it is it's it's not right yeah and i wonder if it makes him a better guitar player that he sees his place in the universe maybe it makes him think mm-hmm. outside of the box when he's constructing his composing his interesting songs like or maybe you wonder, you wonder if he's if they're if it is it the same part of his brain that finds the patterns that yeah. makes creativity make sense or is it a completely alternate yeah. part of his brain that he accesses that is totally free thinking and outside of the patterns? Maybe it is different because it's weird to be like, oh, we're so tiny when I think about the size of the universe and, oh, wait a minute, I just got a chord idea for fat bottom girls. <laughs> like it's probably not the same. <laughs> it's probably not yeah. the same, you know. They do make the rock and world go round, though. Yeah, that sounds like, sound sound like a Spinal Tap. Well, that's kind of what they were playing yeah. on, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Spinal Tap is one of those movies that's interesting because you don't really get it a fully, fully unless you've been in a band. 
Right. You understand rock and roll culture. Like those jokes hit so much harder if you've been in a band. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, and people who have been in bands that were like heavy metal bands, Mm -hmm. they almost get, it's too close. They don't even laugh hard at it. They're like, ugh. Like they've experienced it. So that's one of those parody, one of those mockumentaries where it's like, if you're really close to the subject, it, you know, it's like when, we, uh, remember that movie that came out, Jesus Camp? I never saw it. But... I never saw it, but it was like, I've seen, I saw clips of it and I couldn't watch it because I was like, we experienced some of this. Yeah. Like, and obviously there's a slant to it and it probably was not super fair. Probably was a little bit of propaganda because obviously they have an anti-religious bent, whoever the creators of that were. But this idea that, Kids are being, you know, put off in a summer, you know, in a, in a wilderness somewhere and they're being indoctrinated, et cetera, and pushed in the floor or whatever happens. Like we experienced some of that to some degree, yeah. you know, what, whatever degree we experienced it. So, yeah, it's a little bit too much. Like I couldn't it, – it made me squirm thinking about it. Like watching the trailer, I was like, nope, yeah. not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah, we were sitting with our uh, community group on Sunday night and we were talking through – some of our history, we were going through a marriage book, a Tim Keller marriage book. And for some reason, somehow we got off on other topics and everybody was kind of talking through several of us had like Pentecostal backgrounds yeah. and we kind of just began sharing some of the things that, and again, I'm, I don't know if I want to say them or not. I mean, they're not, they're not bad they're, and they're not trying to make fun of them. And it wasn't all wrong and it wasn't Yeah, all... so when they become the primary focus. Right. Like some outward outward display becomes a focus, you know, and that's when it gets hard. But Especially funny... if you're a kid because you want to you want to please an adult in your life maybe yeah. by showing how spiritual you are. And yeah. so that feeds into this system and it's almost, you know, it gets systematic on you. Well, and the funny parts were the parts that you and I always laughed at even when we were we were in those circles. Yeah. Is if like when we were playing in the band and we would be brought into a church and we'd be out of town and we'd walk in. If you walked in mm-hmm. and you saw just lines of tambourines on the front row. Right. You saw flags on the stage. Flags. Right. Fla- removable flags. Yeah. Small, small enough yeah, to Yeah, not to like, hey, in. here's a, not like flags of countries, flags that said words on them. Right. Like healing or. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, Shekinah. Yeah. Let's say things like that. Yeah. Shekinah. And then, um, and then. If you saw a folded stack of like nice cloths, mm-hmm. you know what those were. Oh, sure, that's a modesty cloth. Modesty cloths, and so like you just and I, so we were kind of talking through some of this, like, and there were some people there. One, <laughs> one guy he's from. Um, you he's, probably need to explain modesty cloths though. To people modesty cloths is when if somebody were to fall out while being prayed for in the altar then somebody's job was like to if come they're wearing a skirt wearing a skirt to, yeah. to cover them up with a modesty cloth and then you had people sometimes the modesty cloth said stuff on them too like a church logo or a, yeah sometimes they were really nice it's like a real thing yeah like you had a budget in your church like we got to fix up these modesty cloths they're they're looking <laughs> a little bit tattered i've seen pastors fired over the color of the modesty cloth <laughs> i'm just kidding and then you had guys whose jobs on the serve team was to be the catcher. Yeah. And then I've known people who were the head catcher. Wow. So if somebody fell out, you yeah, were the I don't catcher. Know, and you're, yeah, so, you led the catcher team. And so we're talking through this a little bit, mm-hmm. and somebody was there. What, what church did they say they were raised in? It was like a, a super... Oh, it was David Jeremiah. Okay. Was like their pastor, yeah. I think. Was it David Jeremiah? I think so. And I looked at him, and I was like, wow. 
you had a normal childhood. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it was like, it was just a Bible-based, you know, kind right. of thing. And we were kind of talking through, and they literally looked at us, because several of us had that background, and, and they said, how in the world are you right like, anywhere you, near right. normal right yeah. now, you know? And maybe I'm not. And it sounds like, again, and I want to be really clear, I, I'm not... I'm not meaning to disparage every single bit of those things. And I'm certainly, we're such an extremist culture. Like you can't, you can't say that something seems odd or I can't see a modesty cloth in the Bible. I can't see honestly the falling out in the Bible. I don't see that, you know, I see rejoicing in Hebrew culture and all those things. I'm not against all those things. You're saying that sometimes there hasn't been moments. Those things are authentic. It's It's the moment that those things became, um, I guess commonplace. Like this is now, that was what always got me. This is how we evaluate the effectiveness and the right. quality of the experience. We didn't have, yeah, we didn't have a real Sunday service unless this happened. Right. Yeah. And that was how you knew when you left and, and crazy things. I'm air quoting that right now because when you're a kid and you you're in those circles, you don't want your friends to come to church with you. Yeah, you're afraid. Right. Oh, today's not the day when Sister Mildred runs laps in the worship service. Exactly. And yeah. it, and that would happen. Yeah. That kind of stuff would happen. And so when you you thought of them as like okay but but you also had this intense condemnation and guilt and worry mm-hmm. that even thinking that was like blasphemy right cuz you know blasphemy i can't say the word Joni. help me <laughs> Sound, use your words buddy sound it out phonetically <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah. Bless. Blasphemy. That's bless for you. Uh, okay. You have this intense fear yeah. of blasphemy uh-huh. that even thinking something might not be out of right. like Or just having questions felt like blasphemy when I was yeah. a kid. And, and, and because sometimes, and I, don't, I, I, had, I had a great church growing up. I'm not, there's just great people there and, and, and everybody's heart was in that right place. This is not just, this is less probably about my home church and more about like the experience in, yeah. in the the wider vein of the whole thing. And then mm-hmm. when we were in college, especially going and having experiences, they were outside. Of- my favorite story that your mom used to tell, and I've tried to figure out a way to put it in my show, <laughs> but there was a lady at y'all's church and she would... Every service, she would go down for prayer, and she would spin out and fall. This was on Sunday nights. She would spin out, yeah. though, like Michael Jackson, woo, and fall. Yeah. And it was like, look, everybody look at me kind of a thing. And then one time, she spun around, mm-hmm. and she fell, and she caught her head on the do this in remembrance of me communion table so in the front. not only was it on the, <laughs> understand, the bottom of that, because ta- I saw this. Yeah. This is like etched into the memory right. of my childhood. Yeah. The bottom of the table yeah. had a cross piece that, yeah. so it wasn't like just legs touching, four legs touching the floor. Right. The very bottom had a right. side cross a piece big, that connected all of it. So yeah. it was like this huge yeah. connected table where it had, it had a full box at the yeah. bottom. And she bought it. And she it was like, clunk. it was like tapered and cut uh-huh. on that edge. So when she fell, it was like not hit her head on the top part of the table, yeah. but the bottom just boom. And so the thing was, she kind of, ooh, and she said she reached back and kind of rode, ooh. And the whole thing is, like, if you're out, you're supposed to be out in the spirit. You didn't feel that. That's that's yeah. that's proof that it's not real or whatever. When you're a kid, you're like, okay, hold on. That's so dumb. Well, see, so I didn't funny. remember her reaching back. I remember wondering if she was dead. Like, yeah, I remember yeah, like, yeah. oh, my gosh. And I asked, are we all just going to But I asked here? your mom, I said, did she still, after that, did she still do it every Sunday? She goes, she did it every Sunday after that. But she would spin around, and then she would kind of open one eye and look. <laughs> to make sure, like, I've got a clear path. Oh, man. Which is great. Wow. 
That's funny to me. Yeah. And That's think, like a character out of a movie. This is, it's hard for me to, to talk about still because yeah. I do wonder what a listener hears and goes. Right. Because I don't know. There's so, I, I don't, I don't want to make fun at all. I think what we weren't taught was that it's okay to address the question of what is being done in order scripturally. Yeah. Is this in order or is this out of order? Or is it like to, is it like to lift up a person or draw, draw attention to a person or draw attention to God? I yeah, think that's a valid question. They're okay conversations to have. Like Paul actually yeah. said, with, especially concerning things related to the Holy Spirit, manifestations, those kinds of things, that you're supposed to test everything. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a community aspect that, that was not commonplace then to say, um, hey, you know, let's talk about whether this is what it should be, where, what's happening in your heart, your mind. And we do have that. I've had those conversations yeah. since then. Um, and people have been very offended sometimes when it's very much like, like there's this, whoa, whoa, if it's spirit, then it's that it's the God card and we can't have that conversation. And I'm yeah. like pulling out Corinthians going, this is actually the God conversation to have. Right. The God card is here in the Bible and it's the one that says we're supposed to test every spirit. And we're supposed to test every... And if you do all these great things, and but they don't have love, like, it's not worth yeah. anything. Like, the whole purpose of all this is to edify the church. Like, and how many... I mean, that's the, that's the hard part is, and what we look back on is, not, 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 maybe not your experience, but you'd see so many ministries, especially on TV, because televangelism in the 80s and 90s, you know, right before it kind of exploded yeah. and ruined it. I mean, basically, for, gen, for an entire generation... When you see a preacher on TV now, there yeah. are people who immediately go, I know what that is. And they, it, it's like it's, it's taken away that pathway for the gospel in a way. Yeah. Through the of, largest media we have. Right, right. Because of what happened in the 80s and 90s. But I, because of that, you would see somebody, like you said, they would have this quote unquote fruitful ministry of like signs and wonders that were happening. And because of that, they could have all kinds of internal abuses going on, but they yeah. would always be like, well, God's stamp of approval is on us because X, Y, and Z is happening. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that. Yeah, but that's something you can conjure up too. Like you can whatever. I'm not saying it was all fake. I'm saying there, it became so important that these these physical manifestations would happen that they would get away with not even like caring for people or showing love to their coworkers or whatever. So you'd see people come out of these churches and go, yeah, there may have been revival in that church, but let me tell you, that pastor was a jerk and he was this and that. And you'd be like, Ugh, how did that happen? Well, I mean, and again, advances of the gospel, even through signs and wonders, are not God's stamp of approval on your heart. God's stamp of approval on your heart comes through one way, and that's faith in Jesus. And then, because I mean, I think th- this is a question that's asked throughout the Old Testament and the New. Why do you let people who are not doing this the right way prosper? Yeah. Or even you see uh, the disciples in the New Testament, people are walking around casting out demons in Jesus' name. Yeah. They don't even really know Jesus at all, right? And and they say, hey, don't – apparently it was working is my whole point. Like they, they weren't believers. They just knew this name. Or if they were believers, they were believers in the name. And Jesus was like, hey, that's working. And then you have these other guys. They're called the seven sons of Sceva. Mm-hmm. Which the, is – Man, that's a great band. That's name. A, a, that be a great band. Seven, we are seven scuns. <laughs> you can't scuns. even seven sons of Skiva. <laughs> anyway, and so <laughs> give it up for. And so they go and try to cast out demons, mm-hmm. uh, and they I think they say something like, "In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, right, is how they did it." And the demons speak, which doesn't always happen. Says I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who, who are, are you? you? And this one guy leaps. That's like a that's like a sarcastic. 
Oh That's yeah, a sarcasm in the Bible. Yeah, we know Paul. We know Jesus. We don't know. Yeah, we don't so much know you, Skiva. Mm. Mm. And this one dude leaps on four of those guys and beats them all to a pulp, and they go run off. The Bible says, beaten and naked, basically. So he just—I mean—he whoops them, seven of them. Yeah. And so like, there's this, there's this like sometimes things worked, sometimes things didn't work, um, related to what God's purposes were in His kingdom. And so I think like that, that whole seal of approval, think about how many times Jesus sent out his own disciples who in one chapter want to call fire down out of heaven to destroy a town that rejected them. And they had just come back, by the way, from like healing blind people and, and calling forth the kingdom that the vessel, my point being just the results of what happens in the vessel yeah. is not necessarily, I mean, God's goodness is so replete throughout all of creation. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that his his seal of approval is on you by yeah, faith. Yeah, it's not a formula. Right. It's not like, hey, that happened, so therefore, maybe God just wanted that person healed because he cared about that person. Yeah. And you were an imperfect vessel there, but it doesn't mean that suddenly you do no wrong and the whole way you do this is right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Steve Taylor guy who was like a big pioneer in, in uh, Christian rock, and he did a podcast where he was interviewed because he's now like a film professor and songwriting professor at Lipscomb. Hmm. And Lipscomb University here in Nashville. So he was talking about his history in CCM. And obviously he was one of the guys who took a lot of the early fire because he was doing kind of very avant-garde music. He was doing right. very almost reactionary music. And he was kind of satirizing, you know, perceived wrongs inside the church yeah. with Christian music, which was not a thing then. So he took a lot of heat for it. And he had a kind of a new wave sound too, which was really different. And he got a lot of like accusations thrown his way. But uh, and then he got into Christian films, and they were talking about Christian filmmaking and how – because he, he he adapted the Blue Like Jazz book into a movie, and he's done some other Christian films. And he has some he has frustrations with Christian film, uh, but he was talking about his thing. The, the main uh, hurdle to Christian filmmaking is is kind of intrinsic, and it's not anybody's fault. But he said Christian film has become like one thing and they want there to be a conversion experience in the Christian film. Yeah. And they said and, – and the conversion experience usually is after like the guy's life is falling apart. Then the conversion experience happens and then the end of the movie happens because it's like – and now there's this like very tiny last act where his wife comes back or whatever happens. That's all good. And he said it's not that that doesn't happen. That's very many people's conversion experience. But he goes, it doesn't lend itself to drama. Like, it's not good writing. If yeah. you're trying to write a movie, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily do that. Like, conflict uh, is, is how you... And so I think what's going to happen, after he said that, it kind of made sense to me. I started thinking, like, that's really kind of... If you were thinking about real life, that's what real life is. This idea that a conversion experience doesn't necessarily take away trouble. Yeah. And many times it's the beginning of your trouble because you're realizing what a fallen person you are. And now you realize you have this enemy. You just know who your ally is now, but it doesn't mean that you're not still going to get shipwrecked and stoned like Paul. I mean, all this stuff happened after Paul's conversion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, I think that's probably the next wave is when we start really getting real. Hmm. And maybe that's the future of Christian film. I don't know. I don't even know if I want Christian film to survive. Sometimes I'm just like, well, whatever. It's like this weird, uh, are we just making films for each other? Yeah. Are they really it's almost like we talked about human video last week. Is it is it really a or two weeks ago? Is it really a an evangelistic tool or is it a tool that we have kind of stuck in this little ghetto hmm. that it can't you know, 
it doesn't really have a use except to encourage other believers, which I don't know that there's not a place for that too. You know, you know, oddly enough, again, I was writing on something and a guy who was a new believer writing through his story, a couple yeah. of Christian movies made a big difference to him. Yeah. He struggled with reading and struggled with, with other stuff, but that it was, it was truly like, I think seeing, he didn't have a lot of community either. So it, mm-hmm. it exposed him to some, a feeling of, I think of togetherness with other believers that he hadn't really felt because yeah. he wasn't really in church. And yeah. And I don't want to just pick on him just because that's yeah. like the easy target of like, Oh, Christian films don't get me started. How cheesy they are. It's like, yeah. that's dumb. That's just like, that's just piling on. I get it, but it's, it's not easy. And I think that's what Steve Taylor was saying in the interview, which was kind of fascinating to me is like, it's got built in challenges Yeah, that aren't just, Hey, we have a low budget. It's got built in challenges like thematically. Mm-hmm. Because you have places you know you can't go, uh, and then you have places that like dramatically storyline. If you're thinking of writing a beginning, middle, end, it has very its limitations there. Well, that's what's crazy to me because, like you said, the paradigm and the assumption is it's based off of a conversion. Uh-huh. If you just based it more off, and, and, and conversion will be a part of this, but if you really base it off of the biblical cycle and the model, mm-hmm. like that's not usually how it goes. Paul. His conversion didn't have – it had an upswing spiritually that led then to the greatest adventure of all time that was full of suffering. And and sometimes he's delivered and sometimes he's not kind of yeah. thing. It would be a fa- – it's a fascinating story to follow to go, what, what if, you know – I mean, Job's whole experience Would you ends, see a movie about Job? That's what I was thinking. Well, would you be I, like, I got to go see, I gotta go see <laughs> this Job movie? I mean, I know how it ends and it does end on the uptick, you know, but – I don't know. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those, you know, I wrote a book one time, you remember my first book was called Shriveled Heart mm-hmm. and that name may get changed still, but Andrew is still his favorite book, like still, and he reads a lot. Like he still loves, he loves the story, you know, and that was like a taking poetic license a little bit with a character in the Bible uh, that is unnamed. Which the Bible's really for that. It says it in the scripture. Hey, make sure you make take sure poetic you license with this. Add to more. this. Yeah. Take away if you want. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, John. Well, the idea was here's so there. I, I take the story of the guy who's got the deformed hand, who the gets, withered hand, who gets healed, and here's the part for me that that got me. It's not that I'm adding something. It's that there is a story that we right. don't know. No, I know. I was just the I'm guy's just, got. I know. I'm just busting your chops. No, John. it's fine. It's fine. No, but that's that's a. Clear right, point. that was a guy. We don't know what happened to that guy. But it's clearly so. a point that we should make. I don't need yeah. to rewrite the story. Right. You know? um, so that whole biblical, historical fiction, that, that weird line, and you go, well, who wants to read that? But the deal is, that guy's life has to be fascinating if it's well-written. Mm-hmm. Like what he had beforehand, what that deformity meant to him culturally in his time, because everyone assumed it was a sinful thing if you had that. You yeah. know, the, the rejection, being the outcast. And then he probably, if, if you look at a lot of the healings that happened in Jesus's ministry, yeah, usually they ended up following him and becoming a part of his following of his discipleship. And so you, you go, what if he's a follower? What if he, and now what, what do the rest of, what does the rest of the story look like through his eyes? Mm-hmm. Someone's watching. And then I begin to look at the, the things in the Bible. Cause again, this is to me what good storytelling is. I started asking questions like, well, and, and there's some historical answers, but this is one way to answer it. That could be, could have been a possibility. I don't think it necessarily was, but it's not far fetched that, for example, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane yeah. and he's sweating and crying and bleeding and all these things in agony and the disciples are asleep and this angel appears and comforts him, mm-hmm. right? If all of the disciples are asleep, who saw that angel? 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Somebody did. And you want a movie about that. Well, that's what I wrote And you want about. the angel to be played by Vin Diesel. I want Vin Diesel to come out of heaven. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the deal is, like, th- those are just questions from a storytelling perspective. I go, okay, I believe this happened. Yeah. And somebody somebody saw this who was John's source or, yeah. or whomever the source was. And it's not important to name it. Yeah. But I, but I, li- I think that, like you said, there's drama to be had. There's drama to be, drama to be wrung from some of these stories. Like, I think a lot about... The, the disruptive nature of really being around Jesus. Yeah. Uh, for instance, like, let's, let's say you're the, the guy who uh, lives on the farm who the demoniac, all the demons are cast into your pigs, and then your pigs go throw themselves off of a cliff. Yeah. There's your whole... So you're like, oh, the, oh you're, you're fine now. No more demons. Guess what? All my pigs are dead. Like, what I, I want a story about that guy, John. That's the next book. Well, I know what I would do in that story. The pig farmer. Something I did in that story several times. Yeah. Like, for example, the woman who gave her last mite, the widow's mite. Right. Right. In my story, because we know a couple things that we just don't ever play out. That, 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 these, these things happened. We just don't know to who or how exactly. Mm-hmm. But we know that there was a treasury mm-hmm. among the disciples of Jesus's ministry. We know that... Uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus contributed to it. So there were people who were contributing, who were followers. We know that Judas was in charge of it to dis- to distribute it. Yeah. And we know that he stole from it. So yeah. it was a significant amount. Uh, it was significant enough that the guy could steal from it, and apparently nobody was really taking it. sounds note. like you're getting into Osteen territory. Well, I'm not. Be like, I'm just saying it wasn't like just a couple, a couple yeah, you know, right. drachma in his pocket, you know, kind of thing. So... Sorry, it took me a second to remember the Roman <laughs> coin. And so, like, then we know that when Jesus dismissed Judas from the table, yeah. that the disciples assumed he was going to distribute money to the poor. Remember that? Yeah. So now we know that it's regu- it's a regular occurrence for Judas to go give out money to the poor. Like, these are all, th- have you ever thought of any of those things, like, as a part of narrative? Like, that means there are times Judas, the one who's going to betray Jesus, is out distributing money from a treasury that people give to, and that, who did he give it to? He gave it to somebody. So like in my story, I could foresee what would be the character of Jesus and what I could yeah. see. And I don't, so that's where the historical part comes in. I go, every single thing I'm going to write into this now fictional narrative all has basis yeah. as something that really could have happened. I don't want to write anything that couldn't have happened. Yeah. It probably didn't happen like this, but it could have, and it probably did. So you want did. a story where Judas goes and gives money to the woman who'd given the money. That's what happens, and obviously you never read Shriveled Heart. I didn't, I didn't, I'm sorry. So my character is one of the one of the 70 disciples. Yeah. So he's with the 12 a lot, and he's yeah. one of the servants. So he accompanies Judas. So somebody's always present to see. You know, So the, my narrator is the guy watching this whole story play out from a position of someone who's been healed. And so he's out helping. He's one of the he's one of the seventy disciples. Yeah. He's sent out to preach and all those things. So he goes with him, and you begin to just see. Of course, you, know, you always know he gives money to the to the widow. Yeah, but he also the guy doesn't know what he's watching. Right, but you can see as the reader that he's withholding something. 
You know what I'm saying? You see suspicion. This sounds like heresy to me, but you go, you go right. But we know he was stealing. I'm just kidding. And we know the other disciples didn't know he was stealing. I remember when the Jesus movies were really coming hot and heavy in the 80s and 90s, and you would see they'd be very stiff. Jesus Mm. would always have an English accent for some reason. Like Tim did a Tim Harkins did a bit about that. About uh, did I ever tell you that? About no. it sounded like John. He goes, "Why does Jesus always sound like John Lennon?" <laughs> <laughs> he really did. And he'd be like, "In my father's house, so many mansions. If it weren't true, I would have told you." Like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Uh, hey, Jude. No. Okay, so no, but it is. So when those movies came out. I remember those being on like CNN or C- CNN, CBN, right? You know, before you know when it was like a big network. I, would, I mean, Seven Hundred Club was on every day in my house, so they would have some Jesus movie they had made, and Jesus would have an English accent, and it would be very stiff, and it'd be very like only the words that Jesus, you know, there's right. never any literary license. And I remember one came out. This is like late nineties. I remember one came out where Jesus was playing with the children mm-hmm. on the ground, and it was the point where he says, "If you don't, if you're not like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom." Right. But he's laughing with the mm-hmm. children, like raucously playing and laughing. And there were people, they said they were getting letters. Unbelievable. That people were offended that Jesus would laugh. They couldn't construct a, a, a visual of Jesus. Like Jesus was serious all the time. And it offended them, like theologically, the idea of Jesus laughing with children. See, like, in my, man, in, in my mind, in the way I wrote it, like not only was he laughing with children, like he was laughing during, like the feeding of the 5,000 is a big thing yeah. for me. He's almost like, He's going to, because I think he did have fun. This was joyful for him. And that he also had fun a little bit at the disciples' expense in my mind. Like, okay. Because he could have told them, guys, all right, no one freak out. Because here's, here's why I think he did that. Or, he, or else he would have said, everybody, it's okay. I'm about to multiply all this food. Right. And so you don't have to worry. Like he sort of told them and they were like, oh my gosh. He never told them stuff like that. Yeah. It was like, have them all sit down. <laughs> In groups of 50. Yeah. So there's, you know, 10,000 people, 200 groups of 50. Have them all go sit down and, you know, come get a piece of bread from me. Mm-hmm. And they would come and he'd come. So in his in his mind, he keeps, okay, well, I took the first two and we only have five left. And he keeps coming and coming. And as, as he begins to discover what's happening, Jesus has got the wink, that, that twinkle in his eye. Like, this is fun. Like you yeah. guys don't know, I told you to do something, you did it, and now we're all enjoying this miracle. And you know, it's kind of like jokes on you. I was, I knew what I was going to do the whole time. Yeah, you know, but that's not how. Think about that's really how God. I think we encounter the joy through trusting and obeying, obeying of what He's going to do. Mm-hmm. But what we want Him to do is to like take all the mystery, all the story, all the narrative out of it. Yeah, and just tell us right now. Can you just tell me what you're going to do? Am I going to live forever on this earth or not? Right. Gonna, you know, like you have all these. He doesn't do that. You you discover it through the story. And I yeah, think that taking me, out the story is the is the best part. I agree. And to me, it's like the disruption of letting Jesus in is it's the hardest part to reconcile. But it is the real. It's the real stuff. It's like uh, the story of the guy who was lowered down through the roof tiles. Yeah. Uh, I've told that story in churches when I've done Sunday mornings, and and one of the ideas that I got from it was that like sometimes because like there's a crowd gathered around keeping the guy from getting to Jesus, and it yeah. said I read the story again, and it said the crowd was the religious law keepers, hmm. so they were literally a barrier to this person's healing, and I kind of put myself in that position, like which one of these people in the story are you? Are you the person that's like you're around Jesus, but you're just kind of you're really you're not you're in the way in a, in a way to someone really receiving. 
And uh, and I kind of paint the picture of someone being lowered down. You have to lower yourself down, yeah. you know, become humble. And you need help. Mm-hmm. So he had a community that helped him get to Jesus. But then really there's a, thir- there's a fourth person in the story that you could be, and that's the house. Because sometimes you're the house, and they, your roof had to be torn off. Like that's the thing. Somebody owned that house. Yeah. And they had their roof torn open so this person could be lowered down to Jesus. And then, like, the, I guess the crowd just go, all right, we're good. And then everybody just disperses. But it's like there is a there's a price to be paid. There's a disruption in your life. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I've been every character in that story, including the house. I feel like my house has been turned upside down by this decision, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm. And if it's not, if you don't have a faith, not just one-time experience, but if, if faith experience for you, the life that you live in Christ doesn't have all those elements. Yeah. If it doesn't see somebody's life change, if it doesn't see somebody caring enough to lower someone down to humble themselves and to help, if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't seem as if people are crowding in towards something for the purpose, because mm-hmm. they believe that there's life giving there, they can't, you know, if, if all those elements aren't, aren't there, and I think that's the part of the of the story that we miss in the modern age is like our expectations are so different now. I don't. I'm really not talking about physical healing, though. I'm not discounting it. Um, I mean, Jesus Himself would, would almost every time He'd heal would would have other things to say to the person, like, "Hey, you know, um, go and, and and tell others about the hope you have in me." You know, kind of thing. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't always go and present this offering to the priest. Yeah. Meaning like, I, I want you now to continue to honor God. And for, and that was their, their dispensation and where they were, you know, like this is the way God and man until Christ went to the cross, what, then he dealt with them. But it was never just like, well, you're healed. Everything, everything's okay now. Yeah. It was come and follow me now. Like the mm-hmm. thing you really need the most. I did. You know, why did the, why did the son of man come? Uh, he came um, to seek and save the lost. He, he did heal in that, and, and saving is another trend. Save, the word save can mean heal and rescue and restore and not, not just save from your sins. It has deeper meaning than that. Um, so, it, or bless, you know, like God save the queen doesn't just mean make sure she doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Like there's a deeper meaning to that English word in, the, in its old usage. But this idea that he only came to perform miraculous signs, he would say, hey, Believe me, believe in me. That's the reason I came. I came that you may believe in the one that the Father has sent, and mm-hmm. that you may put your your hope in Him. And so, here's two reasons to believe: either one, believe because the words I say, or believe because of the signs that you see. It'd be better if you didn't have to see a sign. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that that's a better way, if possible. But I do love and care about people, and I'm going to heal a bunch of people. But I'm not going to restore all the physical brokenness of humanity. I'm going to restore the spiritual brokenness of humanity through the cross. And so the, then the physical will follow in a future date. Today I'm showing you some of that future, but that really, uh, we wrote about that in Come and See. Like It's really like you're seeing the rocket take off. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go and watch a space shuttle launch, it's this huge thing. But no one wants to see the space shuttle once it's flying through space. But the real mission is to get the space shuttle to the moon or to a satellite or whatever it's supposed to be going to. That's the real mission, whatever their scientific mission is or whatever. But a lot of people, when you look at just signs and wonders, they're great and, and, and they have a part of the story. But they don't – they're not ever going to be the mission unto itself. 
even though they're more fun to look at and you all come to the launch pad because that's the part that is bright and pretty and exciting and loud and all those things. And so it's not to diminish it. It's just to say it's not, it's not the full essence of the mission of Christ. So anyway, for me, yeah, I, I love that idea of, you know, and, and you could write a whole book, by the way, on what you just said there about lowering the guy down. Wow. Are you trying to shill for another book project, John? Gosh, man. I was trying to get you a book project. You never quit, do you? No, Johnny, I'm always on. You know that. I can't afford your fee. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Would this be <laughs> I a can't wh- afford your fee either. Would this be a with John Driver? Are you going to come do comedy if I write a book for you? Johnny like, W. with John Driver? God, would just be like, be would you be a true ghost, ghost right? Well, you don't want my name on it? You want you want uh, top billing? I really like credit. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you going to write this book on your own? Probably not. No. No. So wait, I, wait a minute. You felt like you had the answer loaded up. Oh, I knew the answer. <laughs> I knew the answer. You're not going to do this. You're too Is this busy. how you sell yourself to other people? You're like, listen, <laughs> if you were going to write this book by now, you would have done it. You would have done it. <laughs> there was one guy. You I'd need already, me. There was one guy I'd already written a book with who's, who's super, I can't say, who's super busy, yeah. like amazing, and totally able to write the mm-hmm. book on his own. You know what I'm saying? Knows all his letters and everything. Like God, yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I told him though, it had been a while since the first book. And I was just like, you know, I was like, look, I know you can write this and I'm not asking you to let me help. I'm really, Uh really not. You may have people around you that'd be better for that. But here's what I'm going to say. Someone needs to love you well enough to tell you that if one year from now, you still haven't even started. Yeah then you need to get somebody on board to write the second one and realize that that's, you got too many great things to say. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you need to get somebody going on it, you know, kind of thing. So, but I would never be that bold out of the gate. We had built a relationship and already worked together, had a published book together and it was great. And we're friends still today. So there's one of those, I could look at him and say, dude, like there's too much good stuff for us to stop with one or for you to stop with one. So whether it's me or somebody else, quit, don't sit around forever. Acclimate and then like, please pick me, please pick me, please pick me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you look. I think the bravado is good. You need to show up with a little bit of, hey, I'm the guy. And then maybe you're chewing gum, too. Chewing gum adds like an extra layer of put, like, yeah. Put your hands behind your head. Yeah, your hands behind your head. You know? Chew a little gum. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Get somebody else to write this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Who do you even know? <laughs> I made you. No, I don't have a lot of bravado. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> What's the Jack Nicholson thing from a few good men? <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I don't do that. I don't. I don't. I'm yeah. very, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't mean like I'm very humble because I think my humility comes with a lot of pride. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. I don't know. That's all. That's all in my recovery process right now. I could show you pages upon pages of that stuff, but I do know this. Anytime somebody trusts me enough, it is a big deal. Yeah, I want to do a good job, you know, and, and, and steward their story well. So, but yeah, you hope it's you. And he's accepting applications now at johndriver.edu. What is it? Johndriver.gov. What are you? Dot com, bro. Okay, you got the dot com. You knew that. Didn't you have to buy it? Doesn't everyone have to buy it? They don't no, give them away, John. No, but I'm saying, didn't somebody have it parked and you had to go oh, yeah. wrestle the domain neg- from them? From I had a friend who negotiated away my own name from somebody who was holding it hostage. <sighs> Does the person was a person named John Driver, or they just feel like I don't know? Uh, no, they were not named John Driver. Named John <laughs> John Driver. <laughs> <laughs> what is my name again? Um, they 
That's yes. uh, that's shady. I Maybe they saw they saw your star rising. They're no. like, this guy's gonna want. I guarantee you, they bought it for the actor John Driver who died. But there was an, there was actor, an actor on Law and Order. Who, oh, I don't know this. Who I'll was like Law a, and Order, like a recurring guy, not one of the main characters, but right. but not just a one episode kind of guy. Okay. He had multiple. He had a character arc. Yeah. So I think he was just probably one of the. I don't remember. I think it was Law and Order. He's on multiple shows, but yeah, I think that they probably bought it for that guy. No one he, saw an arc rising for me. And then me. he died, so no. now you got to... I really don't know how my friend got it. Like, I paid my friend who went and I had tried for a couple of years, and it was an astronomical price. And so wow. he got it down to a reasonable price. Still more than I wanted to pay, but much like... like $12,000. Like, cut it in by two-thirds kind of thing. Okay. So, no, okay. it was not $12,000. It was Man. under 1000 So. Oh, wow. Yeah. John. Yeah. To get so, your name. It's like, uh, what's love got to do with it? When she walks out of the courtroom after the divorce, they were like, you don't have any, you didn't get anything. She goes, I still got my name. Mm. Tina Turner, I've still got my name. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Isn't that true, though? Whatever. Oh, yes, she did have her name. She did have her name. Yeah. It worked out pretty good. Yeah. Did they ever answer the question, what does love got to do with it? They never did. Uh-huh. It was like a rhetorical. Yeah. That was in parentheses. What's love got to do with it? Rhetorically. <laughs> So, so, speaking of uh, questions, you did. We need. We need to address the fact that you did the show at MJCA. I did the fundraiser show for your daughter's school, and ever since then, it has been such joy in the driver home. Has it? Because it was the first time that my daughter had really seen you perform when she was old enough to kind of get some of the jokes at yeah. least, and she loved it. Oh, that's so. And nice. she that makes me so happy is quoting Johnny W. jokes. That makes me a little bit like I'm happy but I'm also like that. you're probably like annoyed with me in your house now she's like here we go no I, th- I think it's hilarious like she did she did the uh, like I have to say how the joke went because she did the words correctly after yeah. hearing it one time remember Uncle Johnny talked about the uh, the Q-tips you know and he's all like and so she's she's doing it you know and he's all like uh, that, that's not how you use a Q-tip the way I use a Q-tip is is I insert it into my ear canal and I keep pushing until it touches what I can only assume is my brain. So, like, she does it like She's that. She's doing the timing and everything. Yeah. yeah. And then I pull it out. And no, I you twist it till I go cross-eyed. There you go. She yeah. did that. She, yeah. she Literally, the kid's doing it better. Pull it out. I just did it right blood. now, and I've heard that joke yeah. multiple times. <laughs> so, I, anyway, it was awesome. And uh, you did she's, a good job. She's on her way. That's all it takes. Kids want to be funny real bad. Well, of course. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's all I cared about when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I have to tell her that. Like, like saved my life. Yeah, because I wasn't like I wasn't big enough to fight anybody. Yeah, and so it's like that got me out of a lot of jams. Yeah, you know, being kind of funny and having people making people laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got me out of a lot of jams. Yeah. It did not get me any attention from girls. Uh, well, like friends, really? I, it got me friend zoned a lot. Oh yeah, friends. I was mayor of the friend zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was governor. Yeah, senator of the friend zone. Yeah, representative. But uh, no, yeah, I, I found that girls would be like, that is so funny. And then they would tell me about, you know, their, you know, boyfriend that was so Can insensitive. Can you ask Brad if he likes me? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, he came over again. Like, I'd be like the one they confide in. Yeah. He came over again. I said, all he wanted to do was make out. It's like, I want to make out with you too. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just said it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'd make some joke about it. Yeah. yeah. Just, sure. I, I'd like to do that too. <laughs> sure, you're so funny. Then no. they touch your arm. Remember when a girl like touch your arm? It's yeah. like it's like electric. Yeah. Yeah. What is going on with that? And you can't talk now. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, I don't think girls feel that when a, a no. guy touches their arm. 
No. In the movies, they do, but no. Yeah, it's not true. It's not no. the same at all. Um, but you did a great act. In fact, you did so well that they asked you to do a second. We had a little extra time in the schedule, and you came out in after I the intermission. I did a return engagement. And, and did an extra, I think we told you to do 10 minutes, and you, yeah. you did a little bit more. <laughs> uh, are you upset about this? No, I thought it was great. I think I did like 15, probably. Yeah, you were great. You were great. We were right on schedule for the night, so... And then we did we did some bits together. We I did. did. We did some of your jokes. Yeah. You did some of your jokes. I, I did some of my jokes. And they, they did fine. They, uh, they, they did, did fine. I thought they did good. You know what? Surprisingly, the world didn't collapse, and I got some laughs. The I got stage one, didn't open up and swallow you? I got one groan, one dad joke groan. Yeah. It was a laugh with a groan. Oh, boy. And that was okay. I was expecting more of those. So, <laughs> And it wasn't the one that we thought it would be. <laughs> that one actually got a laugh because it was such yeah. a ridiculous setup, you know. But the one here's what I'm gonna say about the dad joke groan. Uh-huh. It is the same joke that you had just told, just reworked. It's the what same exact premise, yeah. So you have a do. I wonder if dermatology conferences have breakout sessions, right? It's literally just to play on the words out yeah. of the science. And mine is, uh-huh. I didn't want to see my gastroenterologist, <laughs> but I did it anyway. I just had this gut feeling. So you think that those jokes are equal in I think quality. that they're in the same, like, all it is is you're, you're taking a medical field uh-huh. and you're making a play on the words yeah. from something related to it. But you think breakout sessions... Oh, yours is funnier. I'm not saying that, but they're the same. But It's the same kind of joke. It's the same kind of joke. Yeah. So you think maybe me telling mine first caused yours to not land as hard? No, I don't think that at all. We could workshop it and figure out. I, maybe no, you no, do no. yours first it's, next time. It's just my theories of, number one, you're a, I want to give yours every chance, John. You deliver them all better than me. No. And, because here's the deal. Well, you've been more funny the whole time. Now, I mean, it, it draws them into it. So now you can be... Like, it's my theory. Again, I wish you'd do it. I want you to tell gastroenterology. That's the the way we know. Yeah. Like, like you just slay them for your 25, 30 minutes and then throw gastroenterology in there and see. I used to think that about Tim. When I was traveling with Tim, he could just tweet out, like, anything, it felt like. And it would get, you know, a thousand retweets because he had so many followers. I was like, I just want to... I want to give Tim Hawkins one of my jokes and see yeah. if he could put it's just it out. A, it's just a social experiment. Yeah. Like, I look, look, again, I don't do this, but that was the funny part. I did tell him out of the gate. I was like, so guys, I'm sorry that the article's tell I'm a comedian. Yeah. I'm really not, you know. Um, but I did make a couple little jokes up front about Carline and a few things, and they yeah. laughed, you know, about that. So He did do that one time, by the way. I remember this, because he did, he retweeted. Tim doesn't really do this a lot, because I think he's afraid of... Other comics seeing him as this pathway, like if Tim will retweet my jokes and I'll whatever, and then mm-hmm. that becoming a thing. So he just doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. But he retweeted on my jokes. Like I'd been touring with him for like three years, and he retweeted on my. It's like an old joke, and it had been on my timeline for like a year. And he just randomly retweeted, and then it immediately like went basically viral. Wow! So it worked. Yeah, it was, uh, and it's a joke I don't do in the show. It's uh, it was just a tweet that said, uh, "I just bought this book of insults and I can't put it down." <laughs> That's, I mean, it's just a like a, yeah. it's like a wordplay. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, with Tim's seal of approval, mm. Mm, he signed off. He you could be me. you could be my Tim Hawkins. I don't think you don't think you could. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. No, but it is interesting, and it's a funny, it's an interesting idea, but it's just, you know, sometimes that's just what you th- want to think. Like, if I had this person's... I don't think that. No, I'm just. I'm not saying you think that. But I, I, I think we try it out because we're performing again this weekend. We are. Yeah. Although I can do a few. You made me cut a few. No. John. Well, actually, I cut a few. Don't let people censor you. I gave Johnny 18 jokes. <laughs> and I said, I need. we need like four yeah. or five. 
And I said, do you have any more than this? <laughs> Pick the fourth one. And so the ones, the two that he liked the most yeah. were ones I did not feel comfortable telling at my kids' Christian school. Right, they were a little bit edgy. Yeah. One of them had the term hot chicks in it. Yeah. And the and now you know I wonder what the listeners thinking. No, let them go. Let it. Let it. Yeah. No, don't tell them. That's, and the other tease. The other had talked about my ex girlfriend in high school kissing a lot of other guys. Yeah. So I just felt like both of those things could could go awry for me. But I actually think that Laura got some footage. Okay. So maybe we Breaking can let news. you want to let. Think we should let the listeners hear just a little. Uh, sure. I hope people. Do you feel confident that this is going to have laughs, or is this like your memory? Is your memory tainted? One thing I do know is, is you told me in between the jokes not to play the guitar very loud. Yeah, because it's I easy to do that. In the beginning, I did. Yeah, so I think this is, this is from the beginning. Okay. So we'll see how it sounds. But I think we'll see. Let's just hope we hear laughs. Here we go. All right, here we go. On the way over here tonight, I saw a restaurant sign. It said, Hot Chicks. And I thought, well, to myself, great. Another job I'm unqualified for. <laughs> you help that's me. That's a good laugh. No, that's a good laugh. What do you think so? Decent. Do dermatology conferences have breakout sessions? There's dermatology. Sessions? Yeah, that one always gets a huge laugh. I used to do a lot of squats to try to get jacked. But now in my 40s, I just do jack squat. See, I played over and I can't hear it. a little bit, yeah. But this laugh, it's a good laugh. People who don't believe in autocorrect go straight to heel. <laughs> you didn't get that joke, you have a flip phone. I'm so sorry. You ever scream for your kids to come and they just won't come? Do what I do. Just go to the bathroom and leave the door unlocked. Like, <laughs> like you're bad. I was pretty cool when I was a kid, and my dad had my loose tooth using the old. That that one ended before the joke. Yeah, that's yeah. when she cut the clip off in the middle. Dang, Laura. Yeah. And you want to be my camera lady? You wanted to know how it was going to end, didn't you? No, I don't. No. no. That's a funny joke. And I don't think we even to my funniest. So the thing I did, I I <laughs> I insisted. Yeah. I don't. I didn't care if it bombed. Right. And everyone booed me off the stage. Sure. I've been wanting to do this joke right. for a long time, and we've yeah. talked about it on the air twenty times. Uh huh. So I did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. And they laughed. They, yeah. They laughed. They. It was not. It was not booze and it was not groans. It was like, cause, but the funny part about that is, and I'm doing it again this weekend. Dang it. Oh, okay. So, should we tell them what it is? No. Okay. We'll get tape from that. We'll get, play I'll try to get some audio episode. from that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, yeah, go for it. So, you're like young, you're like my young Padawan. I have nothing to lose though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No one's bringing me in to do this ever. You know what I'm saying? It's just a couple. Well, not of, now, John. A couple, Jeez, we- couple weekends in a row I get to no. do it with you, man. It's fun. It's great, and it was fun. It was fun being on stage with you again. It's like it's like Scarlet Thread was back. The band's going to make it. Oh, we're going to make it. We're going to keep writing those great songs. <laughs> <laughs> we were moving somebody yesterday in the church, and Seth was with us, and he we were lifting up a lazy boy. Uh huh. And he was like, "I want to be lazy oh, boy." Yeah. No, like, because we wrote. You remember the song, Lazy yeah. Boy? Lazy Boy is a pretty good song. It just was a horrible recording. Yeah, had some nanas in it. It, it did was have very nanas. Americana. Yeah. Na, 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 na. I don't know. I mean, you don't think I so? I don't want to be a lazy boy no more. I just want to be all you made me for. I don't want to be content to stay indoors. I think it's time I live my life and get, get out, out of my, my lazy, lazy boy. boy. It was like a fun song. Yeah. It was meant to be fun and funny. 
How did it start? What was the... I don't remember. You don't, You were the lead singer, you know that. But I don't remember. Yeah, I was trying, what are the... Was, what, John... Remember the words in the verse. They were probably embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Deep theological statements about uh, lazy boys and... Yeah. It was all about earning salvation, John. Mm, that was that was your that, that was your theological bent back then. Absolutely. I have got to earn this. I need to do better. That's what the song is well, about. Well, and you're calling out other people who are lazy too, in mm. essence. It's the thing is like, hey, if I think I'm lazy and I'm John Driver, how lazy are you? Yeah. Well, I don't I didn't actually think that. I, I always thought it was is a different kind of pride. It was I'm so into this and doing so well that when I mess up, yeah. I above everybody else should have known better. Yeah. So it was all like very self-condemning, not realizing how much yeah. it also put everybody else down. Yeah, so. like feeling bad is just as good, just as, as valuable as doing good. Like if yes. I feel bad enough for how bad I am, it's just yes. as valuable to God as doing something good. That's another good work I could do is feeling bad all the time. Yeah. You're right. Dude, that's a book right there. You going to mm. co-write that one too? Absolutely. I've been telling you for years like we could so we sit here and talk about fascinating things now for 101 episodes yeah and then make some great books and here's the deal John, i just need you to sit down with me a couple a, times talk it out and i'll but here's write the it thing. for you if we wrote it people wouldn't want to read it it's if we get, writ it sorry they would get the audio book which is basically this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we're just eliminating the middleman well, what I would do is, is what I do in, in book writing is, is I yeah. would take the the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. I would take the nexus. I would take the epicenter of it, <laughs> and I would the embryo. The- yeah, and I would expand it. So I would take it to levels that yeah. we wouldn't go in the podcast. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? You mean just add a lot of words that are flowery? They're not going to be flowery. They're going to have other depth to them. I don't. You got to. See, this is the problem: is don't comedians go, always want less words? Don't go trying to make me all verbose. Comedians want less words until you tell them to come out and do another 10-minute set. Then like, all of a sudden, they're like, I got, I got 16 minutes. I'm going to keep going now. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get off stage then. I had them. <laughs> <laughs> that, is the, that is the preacher's dilemma. <laughs> that was my buddy Marty, who we've had on the show. He's kind of, he's got a few stories of running long mm. uh, in shows. I used to say Marty doesn't do comedy. He does filibusters. But <laughs> I always said, like... Whenever, uh, whenever he dies, uh, or whenever I have a chance to roast Marty, I hope it's like, like at his funeral, I want to be like, hey, you know, Marty, what was it? God, I can't remember what it was. Oh, Mar- I was, whenever I roast Marty, I wanted to, to, one of my roast jokes that I wrote for Marty was like, uh, Marty's already got a grave plot paid for and he's already got his tombstone. And it's huge. And it's not because his comedy career is that successful. It's because his epitaph is super wordy. <laughs> It's just too big for the normal size tombstone. <laughs> then the other one was like about a near-death experience that Marty had. He was in a coma, and the doctor said the only thing that pulled him through was that he saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but he blew the light. And that That's a comedy <laughs> club thing of like, when they give you the light, that yeah. means wrap it up. Yeah. And some people just ignore the light, and they just keep going. And that's what Marty did, and that's how he avoided his near-death experience. Really? It's funnier if you know comedy culture, John. Right. Right. You know what, though? I'm on a mission to when when the time calls for it to yeah. do less. In fact, you were here Sunday. Okay. And I went two minutes over. That's you, I, was, I looked back because your monitor screen that you have is counting down. Mm-hmm. And it had two minutes. And you hadn't gotten back to the front end of your story. And yeah. I was like, oh, boy. But I did it. He's not going to make it. I did it in 42 minutes instead of 40 minutes. So, yeah. But unfortunately, my attention span is the twenty-eight it, minutes. Exactly, you were. Yeah, I lost you twelve <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, I'm working on it. And, and you know, part of the deal is I just write less up front. 
Yeah. And that, that is so simple. Just I just need less on the page. That right. generally takes care of a lot of it. Less words means that less you, that time. You say less words. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to ad lib something. Like, you yeah. know, you're going to tell a, you know. So, and actually we told the story. We need to tell that sometime. About, I'm using it this weekend again about me getting in a big argument with Laura on the day of the MJCA fundraiser because of what I was wearing, mm-hmm. which just sounds like a, what a ridiculous premise and a ridiculous story. And a I, ridiculous marriage. Because I was a, <laughs> I was a ridiculous <laughs> husband. That would be more, <laughs> more accurate, more accurate. So, but we are, hey man, we are, we're all going, we're actually on the same flight to Milwaukee. We are. On uh, Friday. And then we have to rent two different cars, which is so dumb. Yeah. Because I'm leaving there and going yeah. somewhere else. I'm flying home from Chicago. Yeah. But it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. They're going to have a guitar for me up there. And it's going to be on. The band's going to make it. The band's going to make it, yeah. So I'll be doing some Friday night stuff with you. Do a little Lazy Boy, maybe? Dude, let's do it. <sighs> no. No. I did enjoy doing the As Long As She Die, As Long As We Die by Tuesday. So yeah. That was fun. We'll, um, do, we'll do some bits. Yeah. We'll do some bits together. But you're going a lot longer. You're going, what, an hour? Yeah. That'll be awesome. Except for, you know, whatever. I'll go I'll go until I feel like, hey, this is enough. Well, you, are you, you're the only there's thing. A, there's an internal clock in my head, too. I'm like, this is quite enough. But you're the only thing that night, right? This is quite enough comedy for them. <laughs> the gra- like the ground gets saturated, you know, in a rainstorm. Then it just starts puddling up. See, I don't feel I that can way see about when the crowd. I see when the crowd's puddling up. When they're just, if you still got them going. Yeah. It's different than preaching. And preaching are like, they really have had enough. They they wish their life was over. Sometimes you feel the show peak and you realize this is not my closer and I have to now Mm. close. Mm -hmm. And the closer can't top this. So it's going to feel anticlimactic. Mm. That happens sometimes. Yeah. But your closer, I've never seen it not be a big part of it. You're just being nice, John. Did your closer so strong? Okay. I'll let you write my book. Just. Look, you got the job. How about Johnny Weathington and John Driver? Not with? Well, I mean, if we're going to write your story, yeah, yeah. but if my voice is going to be in there, you don't want my voice in your book. I don't. How about this? I'll let you put your voice in my book. Okay. How does that sound? You've, already, Johnny... ri- you've already written books, though, and I wasn't yeah. involved at all. It wasn't because I didn't invite you in, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> it was like, whatever you do, don't even ask. That He's, is not true. He'll get his nose in here. You haven't even read my first book. You didn't know the story today. You, actually, you probably did read You read I the did. original. The one with the typos and stuff. Oh, you yeah. changed it a bunch since then. Yeah, and I would change it one more time before I went to, to press. <sighs> with yeah. a different name? Probably. Shriveled? Andrew would be so mad because he loves the name. Well, shriveled is kind of a, a tough word. Yeah, it's a tough word. It, it conjures up like, it's not a, yeah. But I wrote this exactly. So about t- the man with the withered hands, so it could be withered heart. Well, instead but of then heart. that sounds like weathering heights. It sounds a little too on the nose for me now. I would probably call it the withered ones. Okay. Because it kind of has now, it's a little bit of everything. Because it's about, there is, a, there is a metaphor and a. Right, because it's about more than just one character. Right. There's two main characters in there, and both of them are outcasts, one physically, one otherwise, and they both, you know, discover. And then, of course, everybody's a withered one in the story, but Christ. So he becomes withered on the cross, though. So, like, it kind of it hits everything. But, and it kind of sounds more, that's just a, that just sounds like a book title that I would yeah, read. You the know withered ones. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. Andrew, though, would. He'll be so mad. Like he he defends my book to me to the death. Like because I'm all like I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm kind of pooping yeah. my own thing, you know. Uh-huh. He defends it as if someone else wrote it. Like he's and I love that about him. He's he's kept it alive. He's for loyal. Me. He's very loyal. And he loves the story. He'll still go give it out and stuff. I'm like, oh, don't give. I need to rewrite it, you know. But that's part of my just pride, you know. So I do yeah. think it's a good story. So it'll happen. We'll yeah. look for it, John. Well, I wouldn't look anytime soon. Okay. 
But hey, listener, thank you for listening and being a part of it. Uh, we enjoyed reading some of your reviews on the air. We're going to do that again soon. So leave us a review and share it. Let your friends know about it. There's a great catalog of old shows and go back and listen to now and catch up with uh, the, the life and times of John and Johnny and mm. Dane and Laura and other guests that we've had on the show. So take a, take a stroll through memory lane through the archives and uh, see what you find and share it. Let someone know about it. And if you want topics or stories or other things that you'd like for us to talk about more, uh, be sure just to shoot us a message somewhere on a social or somewhere in an email. Somehow let the message get to us. Uh, you can let it go to Johnny's uh, Instagram. would be a good way because okay. he's rebuilding his Instagram. Sure. Still. So, but otherwise, it means a lot to us that you listen. It really, really does. And we've loved the last uh, two years with you. The last hundred episodes. We look forward to the next hundred episodes, Johnny. Are you committing to that? Sure. Okay. Johnny just committed to the next 100 episodes. Absolutely. <laughs> but we'll let you know how Wisconsin goes uh, next week. And otherwise, we'll look forward to speaking with you in the next episode of Okay. found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose have you ever found yourself on the ledge my name is billy yant i'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast billy and the goat i share the life-changing events that shaped who i am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen god can help you get up and thrive listen now at lifeaudio.com